successful entrepreneurs don't make it to where they are today all by themselves. The goal of this segment is to dig deeper into the tricks and shortcuts that our guest entrepreneurs borrowed or stole to help propel them to their own successes. Join our host, Kent Lloyd, the director of Harmon Brothers University, as he asks his guests what they borrowed, or in some cases stole, to grow their business to success. It's the legal kind of stealing, by the way. Poop to Gold presents a brand new segment, Funny Business, hosted by Kent Lloyd. Everybody, thank you for coming back for another episode of Funny Business. Today I have with me William Matthews. William, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm warm, much better, thank you. <laughs> much much warmer than last week with the, with the yeah. frozen over Texas, right? Yeah, yeah, much better. This time last week I didn't have any power and it was like 10 degrees outside. So oh, I'm, man. I'm humbly and I'm well. I'm humble and well. Sweet, well let's dive in. I was like getting to know uh, the people that I interview a little bit more before we dive into all the business stuff. Uh, so tell me, uh, where'd you grow up and what was your childhood like? Well, I grew up here in Houston, Texas. <laughs> we did, we had very mild winters. Abnormal, nice childhood, great loving parents, close tight-knit family. I'm a first generation Houstonian. Neither one of my parents are from here. Um, but yeah, a really great upbringing and then went off to school uh, in New Orleans where I kind of got a taste of independence in, a, in another major big city where it was always something to do. But it kept me well-rounded well and I, I, I came back home after living away for a few years, but Houston is home and this is where most of my family and my friends are. Sounds like you really have a, a center around family. I do, family and friends, you know, because it takes a village. So I give much credit to uh, my family as well as my friends. I call my closest friends my board of directors because they really hold me accountable. I like to think of this as a corporation and you need a really strong board. You know, you're really only as strong as your board as a corporation or LLC or whatever. So I think of my friends, my tight knit group of friends as being my board and they really hold me accountable as well as celebrate my wins. But the most important thing is the accountability is really important. Okay, so William, tell me what it is exactly that you do and how did you get started? Ooh, what do you do? That's kind of like a long-winded question for me because I do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So the way that I kind of sum it up is I'm a modern-day Renaissance man. I do a bit of a lot of things. Real estate development, that's a really big passion of mine. I also am a corporate event planner, a public speaker, and I spent years doing public affairs and fund development, raising money for nonprofits, so raising millions of dollars. So a bit of fundraising background. So when people try to say, well, what do you do? I always say, well, I really can't be put in a box and I can't kind of give you a seven second explanation of what I do. I think the best analogy is a Renaissance man. I've written three books on various subjects that are passionate of mine. One being event planning, being a great host and party etiquette and another one being uh, financial literacy to you know, millennials and minority individuals. And my most recent book was on uh, how to succeed in corporate America because I came from the public affairs, uh, public relations world and just really wanted, I saw so many people in grad school making um, so many mistakes. So just really didn't really know how to maneuver after undergrad to the first job or undergrad to an internship. And I just decided to write a book just talking about my experience as well as giving some tips and strategies to individuals. So um, those are the three books. But yeah, I'm a modern day Renaissance man with interest in very various areas. So when you public speak, uh, one, what do you speak about? And two, what's like been your proudest moment 
uh, while doing public speaking? So the public speaking, a lot of it has been on financial literacy. Uh, an, another one, just as I mentioned, fundraising, it has been on um, fund development, how to raise money, how to go after donors and target donor lists for corporations, but mostly nonprofits. And then most recently, which really spearheaded the book on corporate America, I was speaking to, I got invited to speak at universities to undergraduate business students, as well as students working on their MBA about my experience in corporate relations. And some of the questions that I was getting from the students at each presentation, it really made me think like, I think I should maybe write up, take my presentation and turn it into a book and answer some of the most commonly questions that I get from these students because I was a bit disturbed that a lot of these MBA students were just having questions that I think that you would learn on your first internship, you know, yeah. or a lack of the importance of having a mentor mentee. So if I had to pinpoint what has been out of speaking engagements, the most important, that's a tough one. I think the financial literacy, that's a really big one for me. That's a big passion of mine going into speaking to whether it's high school students or I, for years, I went to a, a, a battered women's shelter, speaking to women that had escaped an abusive relationship and they were trying to get on their own. And one of the number one reasons why a, a female will go back to an abusive relationship is money. So they invited me to come in every week and speak to these ladies about financial independence and empowerment. And some of the stories that from some of these women that I met, that was just um, a, a, a completely hit home run moment that I can't even really put into words, as you can tell. That was really big. And then I think speaking to the university students, uh, really quickly, one student came up to me about a year and a half ago stating that he was about to drop out of grad school because he just didn't feel that he fit in. It was for him. He didn't really know why he was there. And he came to my seminar and he was so in inspired and motivated by me that he said, I'm supposed to be in grad school. And I was almost going to miss this tonight, but listening to you and seeing you, you just motivated me to continue on. And I really want to stay in contact with you. And so hearing that, it's just like sometimes when you think no one's listening or paying attention, seeing someone come up to you after a presentation, saying those words, that to me was a compliment and a half. That's got to be a great feeling. Okay, so you have such a diverse path uh, that you walk. How did you get to this point in your career? And what did you see in business that made you want to make changes? I think a, a lot of times with me, it was just by accident. I would be a part of an organization and they might want me to come and speak to one of their committees or groups, or I was a part of one group and they wanted me to help them with an event that they were doing, not only help execute it and get volunteers, but help us fundraise with it. So I think a lot of things came just by being at the right place at the right time and opportunities presented themselves. And I'm a person that if I don't know how to do something, I'm not gonna tell you that. I'm just gonna say yes and try to figure it out. And I think that that has been my success, uh, just taking things that you don't necessarily know how to do, but going to your friends or family or your colleagues seeking help and also doing your own research and just knowing that I'm gonna make some mistakes along the way, but if I accept this, I can be better when I get this opportunity again. So for me, that's just kind of my, my motto in life. I also think my upbringing, again, taking it back to having a really strong and solid foundation of a family is important. I realize that that's not everyone's story. Um, 
And so, and I, now, don't get me wrong, I didn't have a, a squeaky clean Cosby show type upbringing of a lifestyle, but I think that it's just wanting better for yourself and also wanting to make your parents proud, but most importantly, wanting to be proud and looking in the mirror and having a sense of accomplishment. I was always not the person that made the six-figure salary or had the corner office where a lot of my friends and colleagues did. And you know, I'm guilty of comparing myself amongst other people. And it wasn't until maybe the past five or six years that I realized that although I didn't get those things that they had, I had a platform and opportunity that they didn't even have. And so it really taught me the value of don't put everything on a job title, don't put everything on an office and having an assistant or what your take home pay is because the impact that I'm making far outweighs all of that. And not to sneeze at what they're doing, but I think that everyone has their path. And it was important for me to realize that I need to stay in my lane and realize that I'm making a difference in my own kind of way. I have very similar attitudes uh, towards that. Like obviously with what we do with Harmon Brothers University, uh, my biggest thing is if I can help another business actually make their business profitable just by getting the word out to other people that their product is or their service is actually a good thing, then right. great. Then, right. then we've done our job. That's uh, it's it's such a good feeling. I love that. Um, okay, so let's let's get into some juicier content. Uh, what were some of your biggest business mistakes, that, uh, and what did you learn from them? Or what mistakes have you seen in your coaching that you've learned from? That's a really great question. A great two-folded that I could you really, you really go either way. Um, I'm gonna try to answer possibly both of them, but for the sake of time, I'll be brief. For one, I was in graduate school and I got an opportunity to, um, I applied for this internship in Washington, D.C. with the kind of the White House Department of Transportation and all that. Didn't hear anything back. So I decided like, well, I guess I didn't get it. So I'm just going to sign up for summer school, pay the money and everything. And literally days before summer school was supposed to start, I got the notification that I've been accepted into this prestigious internship program. They were going to put me in D.C. for the summer, pay for my housing. It was a paid internship. I mean, just a sweet gig. I turned it down. I said, well, no, you took too long to get back with me. I've already paid for summer school. I'm gonna, I would lose probably about 50% of my money. And I also wanna graduate with my classmates and friends. And I wouldn't be able to do that if I stop and take this, this internship. Man, when I tell you I kicked myself after grad school because <laughs> I was not able to find a job, but also didn't really know where I wanted to live. And I was living in that shoulda, coulda, woulda moment for about a good year. And I realized that everything happens for a reason. I look at it as it was a beautiful opportunity for me to receive that, but also it was a life lesson for me not to take that. And I needed to go through that so I could live life, at least now not going through declining something out of fear or, or doing the unknown because it may seem scary or the fact that you didn't get back with me soon enough. So it was a big lesson for me. So that I do feel that if I could do it over again, I possibly would, but then I, I wouldn't because I, maybe I wouldn't be here where I am right now. And the second part of the question was, I think I remember, but just could you repeat it again? The, the second. Yeah, yeah. So uh, or what mistakes have you seen in coaching that you've learned from? Or, or, in, or in public speaking or in like your books that you've written? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's um, when I first started out, it wasn't being personable with an audience. Mm -hmm. And I tell everyone, one way to win over a crowd is just go in there and be yourself and be personable. And for me, that's sharing stories. Yeah. 
hard stories, stories where I'm, I come out the hero, sometimes story where I come out the villain. One that I mentioned is I talk about one of my speaking engagements I do is financial literacy and finances, that's not a sexy subject. It's a very personal and sensitive subject. So most people, they already feel awkward discussing that. So imagine me coming into a room wanting to talk to people about their money and their finances or you're not saving money or let me see your credit score. So I think you just really have to be very relaxed. I realize when it relates to financial presentations, leave the suit at home, mm. come in there and share your own personal story. So I come in there and talk about things that I did with my credit or not saving money. I really just want the audience to know that I'm no different from you sitting in that seat. I've been in that seat before. And although it's great that I have this platform and this microphone in my hand, I'm really no different than you. And we're really all two paychecks away from being homeless. Love so that. being personable, I think yeah. the lesson that I learned, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is the really the meat and potatoes of, of funny business. There always seems to be somebody else out there who's doing better than you. And you talked about that earlier, about how you, you've compared yourself to some of your friends. Um, but, or, or there's that famous saying, that good artists uh, create or they borrow, but great artists steal. So, what have you stolen and how have you made it your own for your businesses? Probably a lot of quotes. <laughs> Uh, even the quote that is kind of my motto, uh, you know, boy by birth, man by age, gentleman by choice. Mm. I saw that somewhere and said, this describes me to the T. So I think to me, it would be quotes by um, influential, powerful leaders or critical thinkers that I look up to. One being Oprah Winfrey, I'm amazed by her, just not her philanthropic work, but as being a black woman who grew up in Mississippi and doing the civil rights and now like a billionaire. I mean, just, it amazes me. And people can say whatever they wanna say about her, but I really love her business mindset. Mm -hmm. And um, another one would be, you know, Tyler Perry, uh, but you know, to Sean, Sean um, excuse me, Jay-Z, I was trying to be all professional and say Sean Carter, but Jay-Z, you know, just the list goes on and on and on. And I think for me, it's because it's people that look like me, people that didn't necessarily grow up with a silver spoon in their mouth, or they didn't go to these Ivy League schools. And when we talked about comparing yourself, that was another thing for me as well. When I got out of school and started applying for jobs, and I realized that so many of my colleagues or people I would meet at networking event, they went to all these fancy schools, these big state universities, and that wasn't my story. So I'm thinking like, did I make a wrong decision or should I have even went to school? Or I got all these student loans and it, it was just crazy. I mean, the saboteur, and that's one of the reasons why I love going back, speaking to college students, whether undergrad or grad, because I think we all walk across that stage with this bit of excitement as we pick up that degree, but also this fear of the unknown of we have no idea what's waiting for us as we walk across that stage and go down those stairs, like the story, it's over, the, the, the school, that portion is over. Now comes the real, real world aspect of it. And I think I have such a profound story to share because I have some of those same fears and still have them to this day. But really, you just got to take a leap of faith and just go out there and really have a really strong village around you that is going to tell you yes when you need to hear yes and no when you need to hear no. Getting honest feedback is absolutely so critical. Absolutely critical. 
Yeah, and I tell um, people all the time, please don't surround yourself with yes people because you can't grow from that. And every and also another one that I live by is that when you feel uncomfortable, those are moments of growth. And I can, I tell you at least once a week, I'm in a moment that I feel uncomfortable. I mean, it actually even happened yesterday, but I think I've learned the beauty of it that although this feels uncomfortable, that this is growth. This is this is yeah. me growing. Picture a flower growing out of a garden, you know, right now, this is me growing this moment of uncomfortableness. So how do you achieve efficiency then with all these different, you're hopping from one business to the next fairly quickly. Keeping on top of all that must be challenging to say the least. So how do you achieve efficiency with all, with all that? What, what shortcuts have you discovered uh, to make your businesses run more smoothly? I think it's really important to stay organized, um, really important to receive and hear feedback, to really listen to feedback, because that's another form of growth. And again, I think I've been able I'm, to have all these different endeavors is because I'm extremely organized and disciplined. And I think that that's really, really important. But I, I would answer your question just to say, this goes back to everything that I've mentioned, just surrounding yourself by a really strong team of people, people that you inspire to wanna to be like, and all of my board of directors, my close friends, they motivate me because they're doing amazing things in their career and personal life. And that's motivating to me that when we get together, whether it's for a brunch or a happy hour or just get together, the conversations are so motivating. I felt as if I just paid $200 to sit in a seminar and we were just sitting here having drinks because that's how inspiring we are to one another. So. That really helps me remain efficient in what I'm doing. And I think to really stay grounded. Uh, and if I would close, I would definitely say you have to remain humble. I think it's beautiful to being able to fly all over the world, whether it's to speak or to write uh, books and speaking engagements, or even have the opportunity to speak with you right now. But you can't get caught up in your own hype. And I think that it's really important to remain humble and to give back you know, too much is given, much is required. And I'm so thankful that my parents instilled that in me. Um, yeah. They think it's this beautiful thing for me, you know, pre-COVID, I would sit and go to a, a thousand dollar plate gala or, or luncheon or something. But also on the weekend, I'm doing a speaking engagement at a, a battered women's shelter, or I'm doing a Habitat for Humanity project or a Upward Bound or Boys and Girls Club or anything of that nature where it's still kind of like, it's cool to be in the room and put on a tuxedo and rub elbows with, with all of those stakeholders and leaders. But also it's really important just to put on some shorts or some sweats and really get my hands dirty because that's, that's just as important to me as well. So how long did it take you to go from the beginning of your journey to now? And, and what, what did that journey look like? You, you kind of delved into it before. You said you didn't go to a regular college, but you've, yeah. you've developed all this. What, what did that look like? I think I'm still on the journey, uh, but I think for me, it's really coming to terms that everything and every opportunity or every place that I ended up, it was where I was supposed to be. Mm. And again, really taking it back to that, comparing yourself amongst to other people. I would look and say, well, why am I not here? Or why am I not making this? Or why am I not doing that? And I really have to sit. And I swear, whether you're higher power or whatever it is for me, it's God really whispering in my ear and saying, you're right where you need to be right now. The lives that you have been able to impact with your books, your speaking engagements, your community work, raising millions of dollars for nonprofits, that's something that that person over there that you're comparing yourself with that makes six figures and does all this, they don't have the relationships that you do. They haven't touched the lives that you do. Yeah. So 
really stay and be present of where you are. The journey was not easy. I, again, for me, it's family and friends and a great therapist. I always tell people I'm in therapy so I could deal with the people who should be in therapy. <laughs> yes. My mantra. I have an amazing therapist that uh, really helps keep things in perspective. And even those moments where I have self-doubt and don't they come every day, every day. Um, I write it down and I give myself grace that it's okay not to have all the answers. It's okay to feel like, damn, I just feel like, what the world am I doing right now? And these past, you know, 12 months with the pandemic and the economy and everything, it's been really, really tough. You know, as I just stated to you, a lot of my stuff was public affairs, speaking engagements, events. That all went away, you know? And so having to live in this new normal, but also try to keep a positive attitude, that's really been tough. So for me, it's taking it back to my family, my friends, my faith, my therapist, uh, working out does wonders for me, proper sleep. I'm a person that needs eight to 10 hours of sleep. I don't know how people function off of four to five and say, that's all I need. And so those things are really important for me to keep going and even in the midst of the craziness in the world or uncertainty uh, and just really taking it, you know, one day at a time. I just celebrated a birthday a couple of weeks ago and I was just thinking, is this where I thought I was gonna be? you know, when I got to this number, but realizing that every year around the sun is another blessing. And again, taking it back to what I just said, not to sound all cliche, but you're right where you're supposed to be right now. Sure. Yeah. Okay. What is the biggest challenge in your field that you've had to overcome? Ooh, I think right now it's just dealing with the new normal. Everything is virtual. You're not being face to face. Um, fundraising is, is changed now, you know, cause you would used to do an event to raise money. Now you got to think outside the box. A lot of companies and organizations are slashing their budgets because they're having to slash their workforce. And so I can't cut you a hundred thousand dollar check the way I've done for the past five years when I'm laying off departments. So I think that everything has changed. And I think one of the things is that people have to be creative. You got to think outside the box. Uh, and you have to collaborate in ways that you haven't before. I think we're all a bit zoomed out, but we realize this might be the way it is for the next year or two. We just don't know. So that is challenging. And I would say that for people who have big personalities or strong or the big energy in the room, those are the people that I think are really having the most difficulty with this because if you're a type of person that feeds off of energy or feeds off a of crowd or feeds off people let's say like entertainers they're struggling i mean sitting in your living room playing the guitar on your instagram live is not the same as being at a you know an arena and so i think it's really important to give yourself grace and also just realize that um this is the new normal that we're in and and who knows how long it might be, but just really think outside the box and be creative. I mean, hell, I wrote a book during the pandemic, you know, and I always tell people that if you don't come out of this lockdown quarantine pandemic with a new skill set or hobby, or at least a clean attic, garage or basement, time wasn't the problem, discipline was. And so everyone should come out of here with something, at least something. I picked up painting, I wrote a book, I've cleaned up my mom's house, my grandmother's house, I mean like everybody, but I realize everyone doesn't have that amount of energy. But I think it's just, I guess in a, a nutshell, what I'm trying to say when life hands you lemons, you know, squeeze that and make a lemon martini. <laughs> Not lemonade, but a lemon drop or a lemon martini, you know? Level it up, I love that. You do. Yeah. Take it to another level. This is not lemonade. Get out the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, what 
do you like best about what you do? The people, being able to meet new and interesting people, even chatting with you. Um, I think these opportunities wouldn't necessarily come if I had that big corner office or making up. I mean, the people that I get to meet and the stories that I hear and just going into a room, not knowing a sole person in the room. But by the time I finish, and I'm thinking again, cause that saboteur creeps in. I'm thinking like, well, I hope I did okay. I, I, I hope somebody was paying attention. There's a line of people, you know, yeah. ready to talk to me. So I have my moments where I feel like a Jay-Z or Oprah, you know, but that to me is the most rewarding feeling. Or when a person come up to me and said, because of you, you know, helping me get my finances or, or, or whatever together, my resume or what I was able to go out and get a job. Or the student coming up to me said, I decided to stay in grad school because you're so motivating seeing another black man succeed and speak so profound and well and all that you've accomplished, that was motivating to me. Or even when my mentee comes up to me and tells me all the time that you've changed my life in these past four to five years that you've been in my life. You changed it for the better and I can even picture you not being in my life and seeing him now become a president of his student organization. And I'm thinking, is this the same little shy kid that I met, you know, at that cafe? Now you're the president? And he says, yeah, because you motivate me. And hearing my friends say when they put in uncomfortable situations, they say, what will William do? And I'm like, wow. So that to me is heaven, a little bit of heaven in a jar right there. Okay, and how do you stay relevant in a world that changes so quickly? I know like adapting to the Zooms and the podcast is something you've mentioned before, but that's not the only thing that keeps on changing. That's, that's probably the biggest thing within the last year, but I mean, we've always been changing before that. So how do you, how do you try and stay relevant? Yeah, and I come from the world of public relations, public affairs, and events. So that those industries are always changing. Yeah. And a big one being the public affairs, where really all of them are really big. But for an example, with public affairs and, and relationships that you built, those relationships are constantly changing. That executive that you knew at that company yesterday is no longer there. They retired or they moved out the country or whatever. So you're constantly having to change your contact list and stand, trying to stay in front of the new person and still stay in the know. So for me, it's doing a lot of reading. I get up and read three newspapers a day. Yes, people still read newspapers. I do. <laughs> Over the past six months though, it has shifted towards computers and iPads, but I do a lot of reading. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I, I am on social media figuring out what's going on. I don't follow trends, but I kind of want to know what's considered a trend. Mm -hmm. And really just staying, whether it's staying young at heart or just staying in the know, uh, being abreast of what's going on globally on a national, local scale. I think all of that's really important to stay ahead of the curve. And then there are times of like, I have no idea how to do this. There's a team that I'm working with. They wanted me to do something on Instagram and I struggled for weeks trying to figure it out. And I said, you need to give me the very, very basic, basic steps of how to do this. I'm a millennial and I still don't know how to do this. But I'm thinking like, dang, is this what I have to look forward to as I get older? A new technology is going to come and I'm not even going to know how to do it. But I think it's really just seeking help when you need help to do your research and do your due diligence, but also give yourself grace. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to be abreast of everything. You don't have to be knowledgeable about everything. But I think if you do your portion and your part, the rest will come to you. Awesome. So who is an ideal client for you? Uh, Oprah. 
<laughs> no, uh, uh, you know, it's funny because I did an interview for a magazine years ago and they said, well, who would be your ideal event planning client? I'm like, I'm still waiting on Oprah to call me. Have you seen her events? Like getting her as a client, that would be, you know, the holy grail of everything. I, I, that's a tough question to answer. And I think for me, it's because I'm in so many different sectors. Um, sure. That that would be a So break it up. Client. Who's your ideal client for like your top three or four? Uh, so for the event, I would say, hey, let it be Oprah. I think for a public speaking engagement, uh, TED Talks, like, hello, like, let me, you know, I, I did one mini one a few years ago, but I had on my vision board to, to do another big one on a bigger scale to reach a, a larger form of an audience. Uh, I think another one would be, and I don't necessarily say a client, but another uh, goal that I have is to be um, a contributing guest on CNN. I think whether it's on Don Lemon's show, Chris Cuomo, Anderson Cooper, hell, Wolf Blitzer, any of them, I would love to come on there on a weekly basis to kind of talk or have, give my panel perspective. I think that would be fascinating and amazing. Yeah. There's also um, another one I was, I'm a big fan of The Breakfast Club. That's um, you know New York's number one kind of show, and they kind of do this whole podcast thing on a daily basis with all these different guests. And so I think that that would be pretty phenomenal as well. But um, yeah, and who, like, can I have Jeff Bezos and Amazon as part of my client contact list? I mean, don't I don't see why not. Okay, but I'll just stop there. <laughs> no, I think that's fantastic. Uh, so for those people, what would be their first step that you would want them to take? it will probably be coming to me with the question of how would your presence here make things better? Okay. Are you being on this, whether you're planning an event for me or you being one of the public affairs clients or being a contributing guest on one of the CNN or whatever, what can you contribute? I think them coming to me with the question of how would your presence here, you know, make this even better? Because it purely must be great because you're a big fan of us or our platform or whatever we do, but how can we make it greater? I think getting that question from something that I'm a fan of and wanting my perspective is pretty freaking awesome. So for our audience, where can people go to find out more about you? I, like I said, I'm on all the social media platforms. Sometimes I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I'm on there. Uh, but my website, William S. Matthews, that's uh, Matthews with two T's and an S at the end, dot com. And then also my Instagram is the same, William S. Matthews. I'm on Twitter at Mr. W. S. Matthews and Facebook and LinkedIn. And, you know, I'm searchable. Uh, my books are available on Amazon. Just type in William S. Matthews and, um, you can find out more about me. Things are always just, as you mentioned, ever changing. I'm always having a story or something to share or something new and exciting that I'm working on that I want to share with people. Because again, my goal here, I think I truly believe that I've just been put here on earth to help people in a different way than what I thought it was going to be. Because when I went to school, I thought I was going to be an attorney with, you know, all this money and a team and everything. And God says, nope, that's not the plan that I have for you. And uh, I, but I'm very pleased of where I am and the opportunities that I've been given. Again, it just remain humble. Well, William, thank you so much for your time with us. I've really enjoyed getting to know you. Uh, for all of those of you at home, please like and subscribe, share this with your friends online, and we will see you next week. Want to learn the tricks of our trade? We have them all laid out 
in our courses on Harmon Brothers University. This isn't surface level stuff here. This is our entire playbook, all our secrets laid out in full, the same training we give our own employees. You'll find courses on ad buying, writing video scripts to sell your product or service, creating the kind of large production ads we're known for, even making short ads using nothing but your cell phone. If you're looking to use video marketing to take your business to the next level, Harmon Brothers University has the course for you. Our students have seen incredible growth in their businesses by implementing what they learned in our courses. Take these reviews as living proof. We've now got multiple campaigns that are in the millions of views and in the multiple millions of dollars in sales. Within a week, we're close to 10 million views, over a million in sales, and most impressively, we've covered 100% of the production costs in the first 24 hours of releasing it. We saw immediate results. Sales went up 10x the first day. The first video we did is over 30 million views. The most customers that we've ever acquired in a single month. I think we had about 26,000 new customers. Go to HarmanBrothersUniversity.com to start accelerating your business's growth with video.